All right, welcome to the Drowning Fish Podcast, everybody. Um, today I have somebody on here that is it's a pretty cool dude. I've been following this guy for a little bit on TikTok and uh, here recently on Instagram, but TikTok is basically where I found him. His name is Stuart Rosenthal, and uh, Stuart, how are you doing today? Good, good. Hey, yeah. Stuart. Good morning. I did a live. You did a line? <laughs> no, did a live, a live. <laughs> oh, gotcha. Got, oh, yeah, the TikTok. Yeah, yeah I saw that. That was, uh, what, yeah, that was that was really do. Uh, well, I do plants, not drugs, so I would never do a line. I mean, I have in my past. Gotcha. Okay. Yeah, that took, uh, that was, that would have been a crazy plot twist. Um, hey, man. So <laughs> obviously, thanks for being on. I appreciate you. Uh, the first thing that, I want to, I, I like letting guests kind of introduce themselves. So the first question I have for you, for the guest, who is Stuart Rosenthal? I am a man who um, has lived a most extraordinary uh, life. Um, that is probably one of the most unique life on the planet in many ways. Uh, I was born into affluence, uh, but in a crazy family. Uh, I know everybody's family's crazy, but uh, on that regard, I probably don't have the top, you know, but on a lot of other things that I do. And um, I'm fairly intelligent, and as a child, I somehow uh, was gravitating more always to older people and stuff, just because I couldn't relate to people my own age. I got a lot better with older people. Um, I just had my life has been an incredible adventure. And it's a journey, and I look at life as a place to experience, learn, share, and love, and teach. And other people see it as a place of humor and shit. And I think that's what separates me from most of my peers and the people I grew up with. And they almost um, reject my existence and, and see me as something awful and hateful because their God is materialism. Like materialism is like Judaism or any ism, Catholicism. If it's an ism, it's a religion. And materialism has become the predominant religion of certainly the West, where I live, and I, I'm repulsed by it. And I, and people think that their value is their worst thing. And I've always treated things as just garbage, um, or, or not as garbage. Sometimes I treat it as garbage when they're arrogant about easy come, easy go type thing. But I've never really um, thought that, you know, I just think yeah, there's a better way to live. And that things don't make you happy because I have so many things and things and materialism and, and living that way is a distraction or delusion. The same with drugs are because it takes you away from the moment, from now, from reality. And anything that takes you away from reality is, is a delusion. Or, or it's, so, and um, having had all these experiences, I'm sort of in the position at over 60 to be completely broke, a completely. Um, on my own and no support from anyone, but I'm making it, which is uh, remarkable. And I think it's just begun. That's uh, that's beautiful, man, Stuart. I can tell that you're, I can tell that you're an intellectual human being, just because I asked you who is Stuart Rosenthal, and you went into, uh, you know, you went into automatic, just telling you telling the audience basically 
you know, you're not mentioning accolades. You're not saying, you know, at 22, I graduated from so-and-so university. You know, I, you start naming stuff that you are, uh, you know, in love with and love with uh, life and stuff like that. So, yeah, man, that's uh, that's beautiful to hear. Yeah, I, and I really believe that's the purpose of life, like to, to pursue happiness. And I think another problem with society right now in general is that people don't understand the difference between pleasure and happiness. What was the... Uh... Pleasure is fleeting, and happiness is, is eternal and internal. Mm-hmm. What was the uh, what was the first step, or maybe the first like glimpse of when you found this out? Like, when did you become enlightened with this information? Do you? I know you said when you were younger, you felt like you know you couldn't relate to people your age, and you always stuck around older people because they were maybe a little bit more mature. But you were also you were also kind of. Um, watching them, you know, studying adults. Is that something maybe that you... I was learning from them. Yeah. I mean, people thought it was strange when I was like in my 20s and living, married someone who was in their four, almost 50, like 49. But I related to someone like that. Like we had a, more in common than I did with people my age. And the people I dated who were like one of my... I had a very um, important relationship, like a very meaningful one, one of the most was when they were only two years older than me at the time, but they were like uh, an incredible genius and uh, went on to do incredible, incredible things uh, in terms of, I don't want to give too much away, but, but um, you know, she has more accolades than anyone I know, both scholastic, um, academic, and um, in, in society. Like, she didn't go after money and she didn't need money because she was from a extraordinarily wealthy family. But she, her whole life was serving others. And it's interesting that um, a lot of the women who I, um, before my brother's death, after my brother's death, I sort of lost my confidence and dated a, a different type of person. Not not sad people, but I, it wasn't the, um, and then I went back to sort of looking for super spiritual people. Gotcha. Hey, so uh, I know you said that um, like going back to that kid, you know, watching adults and studying them. Um, I think, you know, you're 60 years old and to somebody that's in their twenties, you know, that's kind of looking up and being like, man, that guy is really, really cool. I think that's why you have such a popular social media personality, you know, and, and platform because you're being authentic. You can tell that that's you, you know, people look at, people look at you and kind of see themselves, you know, because a lot of people don't want to lose that youth that's inside of them. And you have that youth inside of you, man. Um, which is why, you know, you relate to a lot of, a lot of the youth that you relate to on TikTok and social media. And I think the world is so empty of anything real that when something's real, people just gravitate to it. Yeah. It, it, it evolved because at first I just want to be sort of, uh, when I first started TikTok, I just wanted to be funny. And then it, it, now I want to be funny and teach people through the internet. Mm-hmm. You know, if you, if you can go lecture or something, do this, do that, you learn nothing. It's just memorization, which is what all schools teaches now. They don't teach people how to think. Right. And I'm like repulsed by old people, like most of the older generation I'm talking to people, 
from almost from 40 to over my age, they have no cognitive skills. Like they can do things like go and buy a coffee. They can learn how to drive a car. They can walk and, and function. But they don't have anything that they actually analyze and come up with a unique thought. They're just like uh, robots. And with a, the advent of AI, they're going to be not very useful. Because AI can replace anything that can't create. I think AI will never be able to create. And if it can, it means humans don't have souls and everybody's doing it. So I don't accept that. And they still have the brain capacity much great enough, but they won't have feelings. Hmm. Yeah, I've, uh, I've actually thought about AI and I was thinking about um, like when it comes to facial recognition and stuff like that, you know, that's kind of a that's kind of a scary game because somebody that could be, you know, um, even like in media, somebody that is super popular, let's say Joe Rogan, you know, if a, if a deep fake comes on, it can basically, and it gets really, really good. Let's say in 10 years from now, you know, who is, who's going to know what reality is. Um, so that's kind of, that's kind of a, another thing as well, you know, even now, even currently I've seen some Joe Biden ones that are just hilarious. Oh. They're, they're, they're yeah. awful. I mean, disgusting. But the ones where he's really crude and so and sexual tapping like a rapper. <laughs> you know, I want to go get those bitches because I've got a big schlong and stuff. And it's <laughs> Yeah. You know. And, and then he, he goes, you know, he's using the N word and bitch and stuff like that. And it's uh, shocking because, you know, it's obviously fake to me, but I think a lot of people think it's real. Oh, yeah, definitely, man. I've. I've always said this, there's going to be a sucker for everything. You know, there's there, when you go to grocery store and you see a tabloid on the uh, checkout line, you know, like a, a normal human would be like, yeah, that's definitely fake, but there's definitely people that buy those things. You know, someone's keeping them in business. Oh yeah. Even now, if I Google my name, someone's taken uh, a picture of Sid Vicious who looks nothing like me, you know? being arrested in New York you know, and they just changed the name just two of them. <laughs> People ask me, when were you arrested in New York? <laughs> yeah. They don't have to deep fake my arrest, but that's about a hundred of them. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So what, uh, do you want to talk about that? What happened there? Um, basically, I was sort of a, not a nerd, but a pretty straight-laced uh, lawyer, but I, like, I liked hanging with wild people and stuff like party with wild people and stuff like that and but i was completely um you know in ni neither side of the game like not not a good guy or bad guy just me so i could chill with anybody but um my brother when i was 30 committed suicide and uh, because i never suffered at all like i lived almost in a bubble first one of my childhood was super protected living in a little enclave of millionaires and fancy people and all that shit. And, um, you know, from my school, there's two or three people who are billionaires now. Um, there weren't any back then. There's I think only one or two in the world. Mm -hmm. uh, but, you know, so really, you know, so I was surrounded by wealth and it was a very, like, it was so privileged. It was um, disgusting the way they, like, for example, at Forest Hill, the high school I went, which was a public high school, which was funded by the government. You couldn't be a teacher there unless you had a doctorate. Wow. So all the, you know, so they actually headhunted uh, professors from universities to come and teach at our high school. 
paid them triple what other uh, teachers got. And that was okay back then. Yeah. It's sort of like, you know, the, the sort of leftovers of um, Bicem or whatever, where the elite got everything and the poor got nothing. And it's come back to this. Like, I don't think we ever changed the system. Like, we got rid of the kings in name only. But the kings were never that important. It was the elite, because one man can't do anything. It's just his team and what he did. And I see, like, uh, like, I'm not a communist, I'm not a socialist, but I see poor people being taxed and rich people aren't. But the more you make, as you tax it, go down. It's supposed to go the other way around. Like, it's inverse. Like, we live in an inverse sort of communist. You know, people think they're against communism. What is communism in the West? It's just upside down. It's corporate communism. So yeah. the corporations, the rich, get handouts, and everybody else suffers. Yeah. Yeah, there's definitely, um, I mean, just the fact that a lot of, not not too, not enough, I should say, Americans are saying the absolute truth and crystal clear reality that's right in front of us, you know, like this has been portrayed into our mental state being for such a long time. And, and there's people talking about it like you and I, you can, you can know this stuff, but how do we start? Where do we start? Well, but if you look, yeah. And if you look historically, revolutions came when they, when the poor and the middle class were overtaxed or maybe middle class, but when the poor were overtaxed, Right now, we're taxed at a higher rate than ever in history. But they, they disguise the taxes. So they have the GS, in Canada, it's GSC, HSC, income tax, uh, fuel tax, road tax, liquid tax, cigarette tax. There's all these taxes that people don't even realize that taxes are, because it, they're hidden taxes. And they're done that way only to confuse people. Because if there was a one single tax, whether it was an income tax or a flat tax or sales tax or a flat tax, there's no problem keeping track of it. There's not millions and billions and trillions of dollars wasted on accountants and lawyers and all this system of keeping track of it. If there's only one, that's fine. But if there's only one, people say, holy shit, what are we being taxed at? 60, 70%. But if they tax it flat for everyone, including this, people would be under 10%. You could have a 10% consumption tax on everything we spend. You say, oh, well, then people won't buy stuff. That's nonsense. So there's already sales tax. It could be lower if you got rid of the system that, you know, takes it all. And there's this huge bureaucracy that's created. And I don't know about other cities, but I'm sure it's the same. In Toronto, if you're building a high rise, 10% in cash goes to the, to the politicians. And like black money, if it doesn't, you're not going to get the bills. Or you can build a little house or something because you want high rises and stuff. And zoning changes, it costs money. And I, known people in that business so it's not like speculation yeah yeah that's saying if you give money to politicians you get jobs for your friends because not only am i aware of it i did that one time i was in my 20s a a girlfriend wanted well i want a job i gave the politician money and she got a very good job so So, yeah it's definitely a stepping stone I think that I think we're we're kind of right there, you know. I feel like a lot of people are starting to wake up. Like I said before, not enough. Um, but I, I well, think, I think, I think. Go ahead. Yeah, I think the United States is about to collapse. Yeah. As a world leader, and I'm basing that not on on history. If you look at pick a, pick any of the um, empire empires, 
British Empire, Roman Empire, Turkmen Empire, every one of those crashed, and all empires will eventually. But what happens before? Social divide within the, the country or within the empire. And this massive social divide in the state, which is sort of the last stage before things fall apart in terms of an empire. Now, I don't mean it's going to be a massive civil war or anything, but as a leading country, um, it's going to, for a while, be just another country. Yeah, I think I think we're definitely I think we're definitely there, man. And it's uh, it's crazy that a lot of people, a lot of people are too scared to admit that this is the reality that we're in. You know, because you well, know, if you have divisiveness, it's over. Yeah, and there's just way too much divisiveness. What is but it? And with AI and stuff like that, who knows what's gonna happen? Yeah, I mean, it could be a variety amount of things. You know, what is there anything that? the American public can do and like, let's say middle-class citizens, is there anything middle-class citizens can do to kind of prepare for this? You know, um, they could, they could end it today. Everything would, would all the evils of the world would collapse if there was no more racism. I'm not saying, I think racism is that evil, but aside from the evil nature of racism, if there's no social divide between races, which was created by the Kings and Queens when they fell by the elite, when they fell, 600 years ago, nobody cared about the color of the skin. Yeah. But when the, elite, when, the, when the French Revolution, all the revolutions took place, the American Revolution, the elite got scared, and the only way they could keep power was dividing everybody. Think about it. There's one, I don't even think it's 1%. Say it's 1%, say it's 1%, controlling everything. How do they do that? How do they rule over and steal from everyone else? Because everything else is divided. And it's so entrenched in America. The racism because of the civil war and the slavery and stuff that people don't seem to be able to get by it. You know? And then again, I mean, I really thank my parents for this. It's one thing I thank them for is that I was never taught anything racist in my, in my life. Yeah, that's, that's, that's beautiful, man. And I think and like, I, was taught, I don't know why, because, uh, you know, I guess because it realized people aren't different. Yeah, you know, and especially the biggest racial divide that's just ludicrous is skin color, because skin color is affected by the sun. It's an epigenetic gene, so if white people all move to Africa, and only white people in ten or fifteen generations, they or I forget the number of generations, but look it up, they'd all be black. It's a gene of melanin that's um, activated by the sun, but it takes many generations. But it's, you know, so. Everybody's basically black, whether they're white eventually, depending on where they live. Yeah, definitely the uh, elements and uh, environment. Um, yeah, man, I think, like you were saying, division is going to be, uh, well, I mean, just corporate media and corporate elitists kind of do that. You know, they put up these imaginary walls where it's divide. And, uh, like, now it's, like, with sexual identity and sexual orientation, you know, like... Um, yeah, but, and that I don't understand. Like, why would anybody, the only person's sexual identity I care about is a woman I'm interested in. Yeah. If, if I'm not interested in the man, why the hell would I care whether he's gay or straight? It doesn't affect me. In fact, the more gay, gay men there are, the more women there are left to choose from for me. So anybody who doesn't like gay men, and as I said this before, and people are furious, is miso- I say all misogynists and, and all homophobes are basically gay people in closets. <laughs> yeah. That's a good point. I never thought I, about I that. Truly, like, I don't say that to be funny. It's, it's true. Think about it. 
if I was the only man who was straight in the world, I'd literally be God. I could just choose any woman in the world. Yeah. If I wanted to switch, I could switch 10 times a day because they'd have no choice. I was the only man. So if I live in Toronto, which is um, next to San Francisco, the gayest city for the straight men. You would literally have at least two to three women per, per man. Which, you know. And I think part of that, which I think part of the sexual identity thing, is that until recently, and, and in primates, there's only alphas get to breed. And it makes sense because you want the best survival of the fittest. You want the fittest people. So the alphas are the ones that should be breeding and the others shouldn't, in theory. And then after the, the um, Industrial Revolution, everybody started getting married. Before then, you couldn't. Because one in three women died during childbirth. So you need, if, if successful, you needed more than one wife, or you couldn't maintain the population. You know, and if you look at primates, only the alphas basically breed. And the alpha chooses his wife, and that's like so the next thing to man have, or not, they don't actually have formal weddings. <laughs> And, you know, so, and then people say, oh, yeah, it's based our sexuality on animals. So we are just highly evolved primates. No, yeah, that we are, man. Um, so, yeah, I don't know what where to take it from here. You know, there's so much, there's just so much turmoil in the United States, you know, but whenever you look from the outside looking in, you can definitely tell that we're just a melting pot of emotion. You know, it's, there's a lot of anger. There's a lot of emotion. Um, and I, I don't know exactly how to fix this. Uh, that's kind of why I'm doing comedy. You know, uh, there's a lot of people who need that uh, that laugh, you know, but they also need to be aware that it's going to be okay at the end of the day, you know, like we're, if history does repeat itself and we do end up going down, then all we, all we can do is basically, you know, rise together. There's no, there's no person that can't help, you know, it doesn't matter if you're a uh, blue collar, if you got like a construction job or if you have or if you're, you know, the the lawyer in town, you know, like I think that when this does eventually, when it does collapse, we're gonna need to reach reach across to our neighbor and you know be like, hey, what do you need? What can I help? And uh, I think that yeah, and, and I go ahead. Yeah, exactly. I agree with you. And, and although I, <laughs> I can't stand Hillary Clinton or any politician, <laughs> well, no, I, but the thing when she said, take the village. Yeah, it really does take a village, and I, I think that you know the fact that we don't have any community other than artificial community, fake community, uh, is a problem. But there's no real connections anymore. Yeah, I'm very few. Yeah, I know that there's a there's a lot of people who don't even know their neighbors, you know, and I'm I'm going to be honest, like we I don't like I know my neighbors names, but I, I'm not out there talking to them every day, you know, um, and there's people in, in much worse situations. They don't never they never even see their neighbors, you know, they don't know the name. Um, and yeah. I think it's important to kind of know those people and get not get to know them and you don't have to be best friends with them, but, uh, you know, get to know your neighbor know their name and those like stuff like that. Um, 
Yeah. So what are you up to right now? Where are you? I'm just uh, in a Starbucks. <laughs> I just sat down to use the Wi-Fi for the live, and I'm sitting here. So it's in the area of Queen Street East in Toronto, which is like the beaches. Uh-huh. It's sort of like a trendy, uh, gentrified area that was once fairly, what was once really poor. Because uh, in, I think most of North America, the East, when we had uh, industry, big industry everywhere, uh, the pollution and no pollution control, like smokestacks, because of the way the winds blew, the east end would be smogging or filthy. So the west was always more expensive than the east, and so the east was sort of like Toronto never doesn't have real slums the way some of the American cities do, because we've always um, had a greater, or since I've been alive, this social uh, safety net. Not much fun, but uh, better than the state. Gotcha. As well as, yeah, uh, the crime rate is much lower too. Like in Canada, I think in a year, there'll be as many murders as in uh, Chicago on a really horrible weekend. Like a long weekend in the summer, there'll be more murders in oh. one city than in the country in a year. So like, it's a relatively nonviolent country, but you know, the gunships picking up around here, but Fortunately, we've had probably in 30 years, two or three mass shootings compared to. Uh, Is there a lot of gun ownership in Canada? Two or three a day. I lived in Canada my whole life. What was that question? Did you say? Is there a lot of gun ownership in Canada? And uh, I think, I think Canadian the people yeah. who do own guns are well educated in in weapons. You know, firearms, and not yeah, only it, are they well educated, Canada, but they teach the youth. Oh, yeah. No, to get a, a gun in Canada, you have to get a license, and it's a fairly, uh, not a fairly lengthy process, but you have to take a four or five day course and then write an exam. But there's, there's I'd say there's way more illegal guns than um, legal guns in Canada. There's more illegal guns? You know, when, when they, more illegal ones than legal. In Canada. But it's funny, I had in Canada, I had it client who one time, they, they introduced I think about 15 years ago roughly, um, mandatory minimum. So if you had a gun loaded, mandatory, I think five years. Oh my goodness. I think it was struck down by the Supreme Court. Um, I can't remember. But um, I remember I had a client in my office who yes, they said, these fucking punks are ruining it for everyone. <laughs> I can count on one hand the number, or one finger the number of times I had to pull out fucking you know, he was really upset that, you know, if he had to do something, he was worried about carrying a gun just for emergency because uh, he was often dealing with, like, really large amounts of cash, like over a million dollars in cash and things like that. So, and he was saying, like, now he can't even carry a gun because of stupid laws. <laughs> Always concerned about carrying one, you know. Yeah, I live, uh, I live in the United States, like, in the real deep south uh, in Arkansas. I don't know if you know where that's at, but... That oh, yeah, is, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, that's, uh, when I hear that people don't carry guns, you know, we get like emotional, you know, we get a little bit like, oh, what do you mean you don't well, carry a firearm? Carry. Everybody carries a firearm in Arkansas, you know, or I feel like a lot of the people that I know carry a firearm. Um, I think there's yeah. a, there's a responsibility there when you do carry a firearm. There's obvious uh, problems in the United States with mass shootings and people just with mental illness going out and murdering countless people. Yeah, 
It's just crazy. And they're killing children mostly. I, I just don't understand that. Like all the school ones, like, well, if you went to, you know, somebody went and shot up <laughs> the, the parliament or shot, you know, all the politicians went to the, you know, the Capitol. I said, okay, I don't really approve of that, but I don't understand the anger of what you're targeting the people down there. If you target children and civilians and people stop them, like, I don't get that. I, I, I'm just saying, go me. Mass shooting at the White House, but, you know, but, or, like, like, it's just raw anger misdirected. Yeah. But so, if they could direct it, they'd be able to stop. In Canada, you can't even get a carry permit. Really? Possible. Yeah. In fact, even like uh, my father was in the security business, and they had, uh, at one point they had, they did some uh, personal protection stuff, and they ended up stopping it so difficult. Even if you carry a gun, you have to, even if you're going to a gun club, I think you have to have it. Oh, yeah, you can take it in your car if you're going to a gun club, but you have to go a certain route, and, you know, it's really crazy. And it has to be locked, and the bullets have to be separate from the gun. You know, in your house, you have to have, you can't have a loaded weapon. It has to be locked, and in a in a safe, and it has to be a gun safe, and so so there's no accidents. But uh, but criminals all have. Yeah, we'll we'll always have criminals. We'll always have. If you think about it, Arkansas or not Arkansas, the United States hasn't changed much uh, as far as like we glorify violence yeah, you know we we glorify this yeah. stuff you know it's in our media it's in our music it's something that you know it we're the wild wild west you know like we have always glorified it in music um i don't i don't necessarily oppose it all the time but it is a fact that we glorified it in our art yeah but but does art reflect what's going on is what's going on reflect art like which came first, the art or the reality? Yeah. Or, I, they, or do they, does one get ahead and the other catches up? So they follow each other and it like sort of a, a snowball going down a hill and it gets or becomes an avalanche more and more. You know, so it's more glorified, so there's more shooting, so there's more shooting, so it's more glorified, so it's a movie, so it's more glorified, so people like them because of the movies. Because people like them, they put them in the movies. I, I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's a solid point. You know, we're basically created by the culture that we, you know, it's just like, uh, it's just history kind of repeats itself. You know, we've, we've glorified the, the Western world, like cowboys and stuff like that. And now we're, we're, we're basically doing, we're still doing it. You know, people are still killing each other in the streets for ridiculous reasons. Um, and now at a, at a bigger rate, but it's still happening, you know? Yeah. Well, there's so few shootings of civilians, like people, by civilians, <laughs> that's a story, gangster, people who are gangsters call other people who aren't civilians. <laughs> quite pleased, right? But there's very few non-criminal shot attempts ever to the point that, like, you know, one time, at, you know, a couple of times, an innocent girl got shot in a shootout, and those are always solved. Like, where the gangster and gangster crime, half the time, they, they don't put as much resources into it yeah where to where's the state they don't solve anyway <laughs> so i got a question for you how do you come up with these tiktok ideas like i know sometimes you'll just be walking down the street you'll look straight into the camera and just say the most outrageous things where do you where do you come up with these things i love this stuff man i don't even know where it comes from it's just stream of consciousness um 
just uh, um, humor. Like, and that's what I, I, I want to do some stand up and I will uh, soon where I just without unscripted, maybe have a topic and just go rambling nonstop. But it's funny. I have to practice. But sometimes I'll do it, you know, with a few friends or something and they'll be laughing for hours nonstop. Like once I get into, I call it flow. I get into a state of flow where I don't think about what I'm saying. I don't censor it. But you really, you, know, you really have to trust yourself. <laughs> yeah. Who like, you know, eat, uh, like the one thing I do in TikTok, it's funny. People get because I, I say fuck and shit and bitch and stuff like that. Yeah. And swore a lot. And I swear so little that my daughter was 15. I'm driving a car with her and a rap song's on. And then you fuck the police or something. And I go, fuck it. I, I turned around and said, sorry. And she said, daddy, I've heard the word before. I'm not six years old. That's she, like she never, my son and my daughter and my ex or any of my exes have never heard me swear. And even like secretaries where I worked as a lawyer said, Stuart, you're the only lawyer who doesn't swear. What's wrong with you? <laughs> I, I, I don't think it's because I, I don't use it. Like I don't censor myself because on the TikToks and stream of consciousness stuff, I do it a lot. It's that when I'm having conversation with them, people, I can have better ways of expressing myself than to say, you know, they big fuck. <laughs> Even though I think if I <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's uh that's always intrigued me, man, because it's kind of what it's kind of like the, that's kind of like the way that I do a lot of uh my podcasts and a lot of my art, you know, I kind of basically just go out of thin air. A lot of the times I'm just improving, you know, just letting my mind ramble on. It feels like I don't know if you've ever had runners high, but that's what it feels like, you know, when I'm just talking into the mic and I'm just rambling about certain topics or certain things. You get like a runner's high in your brain, and you just oh yeah, no, so yeah. I know that when feeling. I, um, when I can like sort of focus, I don't know if it's called focus or defocus. Like same with my dancers. I don't know if you notice a lot of them for the first three seconds or half second or second. I'm still because I don't know what song's coming. I'll just put on a random song and, and dance. Oh yeah, so it's without just knowing, like, without ever hearing it before. Like I'll say, oh, that's a popular one. I just turn it on and you know, to, put the countdown, put the phone down, and just start dancing. Yeah, that's uh, that's awesome, dude. Like the the most random things sometimes turn out to be the funniest, you know, or even even like yeah. the most beautiful pieces of art. Yeah, um, yeah, like the sticking of the tongue thing. Oh, the yeah. dagger used to do that, or, or the guy from Kiss used. To so I did a song and I stuck my tongue out at the end and two or three adults, adult people like my age, like in the, someone's 55, someone's 65. Told me that, that's so disgusting. I never watched my own TikToks because I don't have time. So I looked at it. Oh, what? Like, I, I was supposed to be at the first time. <laughs> <laughs> and then I thought, well, if it's upsetting adults, it's good. Yeah. So I kept it in and it's like, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you got to keep it in, man, for sure. I, I love all those yeah, videos, dude. It's almost a trademark now. Oh yeah, for yeah. sure. Uh, what uh, what led you to become a lawyer? Um, I was, I was uh, in first or second, second year, uh, university. And my sister, who always was two years older, was very, very competitive with me because I was a guy. I was like this stoner out in the parking lot or in the field having fun and then just showing up and writing exams. And I, so I barely attended uh, because I sort of learned this stuff before from reading and stuff like that. So it just was so boring to me. I just hated it. 
so I just party all day, but I did fairly well. And so one of, and she, so she was super, super competitive with me. So she got the LSAT um, and to try to beat me. That got me an application for law school to try to beat me. And um, she did beat me. She got like the 99.8 percentile loss at uh, LSAT. I was 99.6, so she was so happy. <laughs> <laughs> that, uh, and so then she got me the application, and I had got expelled from, or I was expelled or suspended from university, from University of Toronto for cheating on an exam. Because I didn't write it, I sent someone to write it, but I had not written the first two assignments, or the first attempt, so the most I could have got was 25%. So I said, I'm not going to bother going. And I sent someone, and they'd never seen me or that person. So somehow, somebody said that, and so I got expelled for that. And I got into Osgood Hall Law School, which was considered the best in Ontario, uh, probably the best in Canada. So it's like the Harvard of Canada equivalent. Like it's really difficult to get into it. And because my LSAT was so high, they figured out oh, somebody with an LSAT like that, they must. And I never said in my mind that <laughs> I got accepted so away. And I, I, again, I didn't really attend law school very often to the point that, they, I, although it was me writing the exam, the uh, proctors or whoever who checked saw me there and they're going, and I was pretty young and I looked really young. So I was maybe 20 or 21. And everybody else was like, you know, I was 25, 30, 35, because it was mature student and stuff. So they're saying, anyway, I was really skinny and like I looked really, really young at that point. Uh-huh. And so someone thought, I was not came up asking for ID. I gave it to them and asked something. And then they go and they get the professor. And the professor's never seen me. They go get the beach. They say, come with me. And like, it's the middle of the exam. They take me out. My sister goes, that's my brother. Don't worry. <laughs> 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 we know who he is. So I, it's really funny. <laughs> so, yeah. And it, it, I used to think it was really, really, really simple. And I, and it's, because it's, it's it's non-logic. It's like sophistry. So it's all bullshit. So, um, yeah. And lawyers and, I, and lawyers really do play in a little boys' club. So they write the rules. They play by the rules. So if you don't, you're not part of the system. You can't, you can't function. So they make they created their own jobs because they're useless. They they really serve very little function. It's just yeah. Uh, yes, we need a criminal justice system of some sort, but yeah. it's a joke. You know. Yeah. Yeah. There's definitely again, job security there. And with AI, there'll be no more uh, court system because AI is more accurate at assessing truth than any human understands because it doesn't have bias. Yeah, it doesn't care what color the skin is. It doesn't care what your religion is. It doesn't care what you look like. It can assess you objectively. Yeah. So they'll, they'll, I mean, certainly judges will be replaced. There ought to be, as you can see from your own Supreme Court. And people are shocked by that that Clarence Thomas was on the take. He's a judge. You know? do you and that thing, judges all take money, and very few do, but the system's created that if they don't, it's a miracle. Yeah, yeah. Do you ever think um, Do you ever think that AI will eventually take over the whole judicial system, the whole justice system? Because I can see it like turning over the evidence, you know, into AI and, and the jurors, the 12 jurors being replaced uh, totally by AI, I, well, you know? Yeah. Well, juries, I mean, if you ask any lawyer, go for a jury if you're going to lose for sure because the jury can come up with anything. Absolutely. Like if you shot someone in front of 50 witnesses, the only way of winning is a jury trial. Yeah. Because juries are stupid. They're yeah. humans, but they're stupid. Yeah. You know? And they're emotional. And, and people still, for some reason, like I understand, I kids, I understand at five years old, they did not understand the, the difference between a feeling and a fact. But 
adults don't know. Like, they'll say, you're wrong. Why? I feel that because it upsets me or because, you know, I say, they, they, they can't. And that's what I mean by adults not having cognitive skills. They can't assess something or give an argument for it. Like, if you say, do you support, like, people will say, Bush good or Trump good, Biden good, Biden bad, Trump bad. But you say, why? They bad. They, like, they can't explain what they just said or why they're bad. They're the same. I don't, I mean, as an objective person, I can't see any differences between them other than their masters. The corporations that they serve are different. They're identical. And people keep saying Biden, Biden is pro-China when first, and I think, it's, I think this would probably come in, he's the first non-globalist who's bringing stuff back to America. When Trump talks about it, Biden actually cut China down. Biden's like destroyed China, you know, when, when Trump talks about it. But, and they're both scum. Don't, I don't, I don't support Biden. And he's, he's sort of like a most palatable type of scum. <laughs> you know, because he, he's just, uh, but he's fucking brain dead. Yeah. And I think Trump is too. I yeah. mean, Trump was born brain dead. I think Biden once had a brain. <laughs> it's just, like, if you're, like, why do you have a rule that nobody under 40 can be president? Yeah. Nobody over 60 can be president. Because, I mean, there's clear evidence that most people by 60, their, their mentality is declining. Yeah. You know, and I think the younger presidents seem to be at least a little bit more intelligent. Kennedy, uh, you know, yeah, I can't stand Bush, but at least Bush Sr. had a brain. Like, he was a despicable human being. <laughs> yeah. yeah. One of the most despicable people, but at least he was intelligent. And at least he was, he was an alpha, like, you know. Whereas, like, Trump is, like, the definition of a beta bitch. <laughs> With respect, I'm you're not pro-Trump. <laughs> no, 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 I'm not. Definitely not. Uh I I make fun of the people in power all the time, man, because I I can see through the bullshit, you know. Yeah, it's totally pathetic. Yeah, and and like in Toronto, like um, I've always and everywhere, I think cops are the people who got beat up and picked on in school. So this is their revenge on on everybody else. And there and then people say, but there is a good cop, you know. Well, so there's a good Gestapo member too. There's a good you know a good Nazi. There's tons of you know what I mean, like. He can't be part of a hateful, racist, oppressive organization and say you're a good person unless you're trying to change it. Uh, maybe one, like Serpico. <laughs> you, know? <laughs> you know, and, and I'm, I'm, I believe in policing, but I believe in defunding what we have right now and have police hired like everyone else on merit and laws. Uh, only law, the only laws should be ones to protect people. People want to, like, there should be no laws that basically your mommy and daddy saying you can't do this, you can't do that. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, they're basically parenting at this point, you know. They 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 want to bring in their values and what they were taught as a kid into the workforce and it just doesn't it doesn't work, you know. It doesn't it doesn't uh you shouldn't be parenting. Look at COVID. You know, since, like you know, I've always been really suspect of the, the pharmaceutical industry, but after COVID, it's just like insane. Uh how ignorant and how ignorant and greedy they were. But they weren't ignorant because they knew what was wrong. I don't know if you saw the um, Pfizer documents that were released under the Freedom of Information Act of Australia. Before human trial was done, they do animal trials on every drug, on every research drug. Mm-hmm. They gave it to the lab, the lab rats, killed them 12, 12 or 24 hours later, and there was massive amounts of spike protein in the liver, uh, pancreas, brain, and ovary. That was the main point. Well, if they spike protein in those cells, you're, you're going to create autoimmune disease. 
because it's, it's every cell that has it in it, in your heart. And it's like, you know, and so then they, I think 20, another period of 12 or 24 hours, I can't remember what it was, they did it and it doubled. So they discontinued the study and said, okay, we, it's good for human studies. Whereas the fact that it had migrated into other tissue made it should never have gone to human studies unless until they found out how long it stays there. How does the body react? Because if it stays there for a day and it, it clears, it's not going to be a big problem. But no other, you know, and no other, it just makes no sense. But what it was, it wasn't even a vaccine. It's gene therapy. Because in Moderna, it's a gene therapy company, right? And what they're doing, they're not giving you dead or annotated uh, particles or, or virus that can't reproduce. They're giving you instructions for your body to make a piece of the virus, which is basically gene therapy. And gene therapy has a place in science, I believe, probably with cancer and with all sorts of other diseases. But to experiment on billions of people, it's just insane. And now the death rates worldwide are up 20% the last two years. And nobody, it's not even making it into the media except on the back page. Like, isn't that, like, that death rate is greater than the death rate of COVID ever, but nobody cares. Or, or nobody's dealing with it because I think that, I, and again, I don't know if it's true, but I heard someone saying 100 pharmaceutical executives became billionaires over the COVID. I think it's exaggerated, but probably worldwide it is that. Yeah. And if they didn't know it was not working, why were two Pfizer executives from Europe arrested for carrying false vaccine passports to get on a plane? They weren't vaccinated. People who dedicated life to virology and are vaccinated for everything else and believe in vaccines did not use that vaccine. Why? And, and nobody's questioning it. Like I would think Pfizer executives, high-level executives, and you're being arrested for that would be front-page news everywhere. Yeah. But people would be spooked of the, of the vaccine if that happened. No, yeah. I mean, if that happened, we we would never trust companies again you know like the trust would automatically go out the window um so i think that they're trying to keep this under under well, wraps for sure yeah and one of the smartest guys i've ever heard speak i heard him on joe rogan is eric weinstein oh yeah and I, he, I think he is yeah so we, and he was saying after covid and at the research he like he started looking at the pharmaceutical he said i will never take another medication again from the I, I, I just don't trust them and that's like a really conservative scientist. Like he's not like this whack job who's uneducated or doesn't understand science or doesn't know how to read the reports. And his brother has, I think, a couple PhDs in bio, 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 biology or something. So like, you know. Yeah, definitely. Eric Weinstein, I know, has came out and, and acknowledged the fact that there were people trying to silence him. He came out and talked about this on the Joe Rogan podcast. Um, yeah, and it's just you know the whenever artist, clearly he's one of the thousand smartest men on the planet probably. Oh yeah, sure. yeah. I I like I, I've never seen anybody myself. You know, there's a somebody out there said if you ever want to find out who is in control, kind of attack them or like criticize them, you know, and they'll come out and put basically pressure on you. And when Eric Weinstein came out against a pharmaceutical company and uh, yeah, against and, and the, the vaccines. Said it to me and I believe it. It's, it's not me. Me and a thousand other people were online saying the stuff I did. I am now in the 60s. They'd be taken out. Like, I never really believed 
that, like, for example, uh, the assassinations were um, government ordered in the 60s, like Kennedy and Martin Luther King. But when I look back on it, I'm not a conspiracy theorist, and I highly, highly doubt it, but I wouldn't be shocked if it was true. Like I said, I, I would say, why was I so blind? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's it's just history repeating itself, man. And, and I think as a, not only as an American, but just as a, as a human being, we should be kind of talking about these things, you know, bringing them to light and basically telling other humans, like, it doesn't matter what political side you're on. Like, these are the, these are the, the facts and not only the facts, but if you don't have an open mind to kind of take in the possibility of something even happening, um, you know, that's kind of a dangerous situation to be in. If you can't acknowledge something to be true or possibly true. And I think, yeah, and I think that's why the war on hallucinogens or the war on drugs started in the 60s because it was hallucinogens who were opening people's minds, right? Like to criminalize something that's never killed anyone. Yeah. Like, like, but remember, these things cure diseases. I believe that psychedelic therapy will destroy the pharmaceutical industry. You know, I think DMT has such magnificent potential as a, as a healing compound. And, you know, and remember, it's in every single cell of every organism on the planet. In every cell in your body is DMT. In every leaf, in every blade of in every cow, in everything that grows from the ground, in everything that walks on the planet as DMT in it, it's probably pretty significant. Yeah. Yeah, there's uh... a... Uh, Go ahead. Yeah, I... Well, on DMT, I came up with a theory, so I don't know whether it's accurate or not, but uh, I think that DMT is um, how cells communicate with each other. Because it's like... And it certainly is in massive amounts in your body when you're an fetus. It's massive amounts as you die. So, uh, and when you sleep, your body produces it, and it reverses the blood flow, the cerebral flow in your brain, and it actually cleans up all the dirt. It's almost like a, a cleaning mechanism. Mm-hmm. And, and they know it causes uh, neuronal growth. Neuronal growth. So it potentially has uh, ability to cure all sorts of things. Hey, so I know you told me, and I don't know how much you can talk about this, but I know you told me you were working on a uh, on a movie, on a film. Can you talk a little bit about that? Yeah, I can. I, I did one amateur film that's on YouTube called New Clown Order. Um, and then I did an 11-minute short that, um, that I sort of co-starred. And I'm on for about, four or five, about five minutes, about six minutes. And it's called um, The Straight Ball. And that's it's touring festivals and once that's finished it'll be on Vimeo um, and then I shot um, part of a web series I'm not sure what it's on <laughs> which media I'll have to find out it's uh, called um, the, uh, My Cam Girlfriend mm-hmm. uh, and it's played a fashion designer uh, and I shot that last Thursday and that was sort of like my first real paying role so <laughs> pretty excited. I haven't been paid yet, but it's sort of like cool to do something that, you know, to make money for a day's work that I, if I do that every day, I'll be, you know, 
wealthy again, and I think my rate will just go up. And I'm about to shoot, uh, or it's in pre-production, not about to shoot. This is uh, the producer's father uh, broke his hip, and he had to go help look after him. So it's going to be delayed a month or so. But it's um, basically uh, an autobiographical romantic comedy where I um, go on Tinder because I'm single. And because there's so much, <laughs> if you Google me, there's like a hundred pages. <laughs> and some of it is inspiring. <laughs> so I use my brother's name. So when I meet the woman, I say, listen, my name is Stuart, and this is my story. So over dinner and drinks and dancing at a nightclub later, I tell her my story yeah, of my life. So, and that's going to be called Mistrial. <laughs> Are these, Which uh... is a line from... Uh, uh, Lou Reed's song wrote a song called Mistrial because I want a mistrial to clear my name. I want a mistrial in front of the people. <laughs> and it's sort of a, you know, because a lot of stuff that's happening, I could use the court system to sort of seek uh, justice and stuff like that. But it, to me, that's a waste of time. I don't believe in the court system. So why would I participate in it? Yeah. It's, uh, you know, is it a, is it a total a, a waste of time? Is it a total waste of time if you're trying to do things legally the right way? I'd rather, uh, no, I, I believe karma will take care of things the right one. And I've seen it happen over and over. Like the older I get, it's just uh, ridiculous how karma gets people. Yeah. You know, like um, one of my partners, a woman transferred, uh, like I said, I put everything in her name, transferred a, a lot of money to China. Now, because of the rules in China, she'll never see that. And I, I like, I shouldn't be happy with some of Like, I know she taught it, but that was fine. I worked with it, so I know she didn't mind taking it. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah I think it's funny. I, I think that's perfect. I think that's like, that was destined to happen. Like, China didn't, like, you can't, I, I've, seen, you know, I've never seen anybody get away with anything. I thought, see, people think they can, but, you know, for example, like, even your health, if you, like you are, you beca- your behavior is what you, is what creates you. Like you manifest your own existence. Like whether you believe it in a spiritual way, you don't have to. I do personally, but you don't have to. Um, but just physically, physiologically, if you do things, you stretch your body, has chemical reactions, and, and you kill yourself. And you know we're we're destroying the planet, and that's destroying humanity. You know. So yeah, there's definitely like a mirror effect, you know, like basically what we do and what we mimic and uh it's 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 just a cycle, you know, like you you kind of have to become in enlightened with uh with reality, you know. I I uh I find myself often kind of just lo- looking around more at things. Um I know you live out there in Toronto in the city. I live somewhere where it's uh there's a lot of trees and nature and stuff like that. Um is it is nature something that you think we uh we need? Is it something that we kind of have to take in, you know? We're part of okay. Every everything that you are came out of this planet, out of the dirt in this planet, right? If you ate a orange, it came from the ground, from the dirt. If you eat beef, it, it ate the grass that came from the ground. So we're just a piece of the planet. Like literally in, in physical scientific terms, we're just a piece of dirt that came out of the planet. So, you know, you have to respect it all or you don't have any self-respect. 
Yeah. And like with the microplastics and shit like that and toxins and foods and chemicals, like I've seen numbers that like I think it's 40 to 60% of males between 20 and 40 are sterile because of all this shit. And, it, and even a higher number say they never want any sexual partner. Like I think it's a 60 or 70% of the men, they not male or not female, they're just like becoming asexual they're not asexual, like they didn't watch foreigners stuff, I think. It's become their, their relationship. Do you think that do you think that maybe uh global elitist this was a whole part of the plan to kind of minimize population? Um, kind of a, as in uh I wouldn't say maybe. I don't I don't think it's intentional. I don't think it's intentional. And I don't think the, the I don't think the jab was either. I, I think it was just greed. They didn't care what the result was. They just wanted the money. Yeah. Pfizer, I mean, was fined, I think, I forget how many billion dollars for fraud the year before, but it, it, OEC or whatever, the trade commissioner, FDA, I can't remember who traded five or six, I can't remember, but they made like 10 or 20 times that from the vaccine. And they they got, this is the thing that's crazy, they, they got indemnification from every government that um, bought the vaccine. Think if the vaccine kills people, if the data is wrong, if that, we are not responsible, if we get sued, you cover it. And because of that, India refused to, to accept there was no Pfizer vaccine in India. And they would not sign that paper. Like, think even if the data is fraudulent, we're not responsible because it was warped, warped drive, watch the blah, blah, blah. And I don't understand how all the Trumpers who were like, yeah, the vaccine, it comes vaccine, it's amazing, it's amazing, turned to its poison. Like, what was that? Like, they, they can't even, like, they were as um, extreme in their view that it was perfect and it was Trump's genius who created it, <laughs> who it's awful, it's Biden who forced it upon them. Like, they don't understand that they're saying the exact opposite things and with no explanation as to why they changed. They changed because the government changed not because they learned anything or thought about it or read something. Like if they said, oh, we read this and now it's bad. You know, we read the new material, but it had nothing to do with the release of the material. Yeah, do you and, think... And the real danger... Go ahead. That I think vaccines in general are one of the few medical science breakthroughs that keep people alive and, and along with antibiotics, but they now people are going to be afraid of vaccines. And I think polio and all those diseases, mumps, Measles, they're all going to come back because people are going to stop vaccinating kids, think it's the same as this thing that they call a vaccine. And that's like a, a secondary fallout of all this shit. Yeah, yeah. I never thought about that. And again, that. with the death rate up two years in a row, 20%, my concern is what's it going to be next year? 30%, 40%? Because it's not going down. So who's dying? The people, the people with the vaccines or, or people getting uh, the virus again? No, no, this is, they've taken out the virus. Nobody's dying of the virus anymore. Before people are dying, it's like, if you're 90 and in really bad shape, you might die of the virus. Even at the beginning, the numbers were all skewed. They were fake numbers. They weren't fake numbers. They were uh, rushed to judgment numbers. Because remember Italy, the big crisis in Italy, and they said, like, they said, oh, almost 2% of the population died, or 1.8% of the population died in that, one, in that one village or whatever in Italy when it hit the south. I forget where, where there were a lot of retirees. Mm-hmm. Like Italy got hurt the worst, and they were saying it. But later in the same area, there was a study, a lung cancer study, I think it was, 
and they took blood samples in, in September and October 19, uh, 2019, three or four months before the vaccine, before the virus existed, according to everyone. But they now went back retrospectively and they took the samples of blood that were stored. And in 2019, September, I think it was 25% of the people in that study had antibodies for the virus, which means they were, they were um, exposed to it and their body destroyed it. Their immune system destroyed it and they didn't even know. And the next month, I think it was October, it was up to 50%. So in December, when they're saying, oh, one in 100 people or two in 100 people are dying, that was of the people who were getting sick enough to go to the hospital. But if you take in the numbers before, even if it didn't rise from the 50%, it's less than one in 1,000, which is even by the best numbers, or 10,000, I think, safer than the vaccine, or less likely to kill you in the vaccine. And again, this is like openly available material, but nobody, and it's not like conspiracy theory, it's not small studies, it's like major pharmaceutical companies, it's the real blood that was stored and after they found out that I'm pretty sure that in Canada, in the United States in England, in France everywhere else in the world, there were cancer studies at the same period of time so why aren't we going back and saying, hold on what happened here? Like, it, the, the death rate was almost zero Yeah, because most people fought it off without even knowing it I definitely, uh, I definitely fell victim to that. I don't know if I was victim. I don't know if, uh, maybe I was scared. I had, uh, I had the virus, uh, early on in 2020. And I just remember, I thought I was going to die. Um, and that feeling alone, I was super sick. I, it was bad. It was really bad. It was to a point where I thought I was going to go to the hospital, but I didn't end up going. Um, good thing you did it. <laughs> no, yeah, for sure, because they probably would have killed me. You know, right. they probably would have put ventilators on and killed me. Um, but yeah, and I now the ventilator. Yeah, I I kind of fought it through, you know. And uh, after that, I was kind of debating. I should. I was like, man, I pretty sure the government's trying to screw us over. And I was like, you know what? Whatever it is, I'll have to live with the consequences later on. Um, so I got the vaccine. I got double double vaccinated. And I remember on the second vaccine, the next day for a week straight, I was having heart palpitations really bad. And, uh, I just, spike proteins and you're, you're, it was an auto, like your immune system was attacking your heart. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, it's something that I lived with for a little bit, you know, and every now and then, you know, my heart will get a little jumpy. Um, but I don't, I don't know, man. It's, it's definitely, um, I'm living proof that the vaccine didn't work. Uh, and, uh, so is my wife. I mean, she got vaccinated and then had the virus again, you know, um, and felt pretty you know, sick. I, I, did, I didn't get vaccinated and I didn't get the virus. Well, I've always, everybody's had the virus. Like they've done studies, like 99.99% of people are antibodies. Uh, like in a big city, you're, you've been exposed to it. So I've definitely been exposed to it, but I didn't get sick. And I didn't do it just by fluke. You know, because I thought, okay, this is really serious. There's limited amounts. Because at first, it was, you know, yeah, the book that that was hard. It was only medical people could get it. And only is. And they were, they said, okay, people over 60 can get it. So I could have gone. I thought, like, I haven't had a cold or the flu since I've been, I don't know, like uh, early teenage, early teens, maybe 10, 11, 12. I can't remember. It's that long ago. Like, I know by the time I was in high school, I never got sick. Oh, so wow. By the time I was in high school, 13 or 14. At 14, I was in high school. So 
or no, 13. I said, great. I don't say 10. So uh, I thought other people should get it first. And then I just thought, hold on a second. This is, I, I, something just told me not to get it like instinct or something. Yeah. Or laziness. Or, I should have, I should have definitely I listened to my intuition. Uh, they have a they have, they have, uh, twin rick, they have AB uh, vaccine. If I was going to a country that had, uh, hepatitis if i went somewhere that had some other disease i'd get the vaccine i had my kids vaccinated the chicken pox bumps like the, all the vaccines yeah but, uh, again this isn't a vaccine yeah gene therapy what what do you think in the future this is going to do to us like is it something that uh, we should worry on like a lot of people got you know, fooled I, I you think, know i think eventually especially with ai because AI can do in a minute what it takes humanity 10 years to do. So I think with gene therapy, there's tremendous potential for it. Uh, you know, if we don't download our consciousnesses onto some computer, if we haven't already done that, which, which rationally must have, right? Because once that starts happening, like once they start building simulations that humans can enter, they'll, build, they'll be infinite ones. Right. And if there's infinite, there's no beginning and no end, so we can't be the first. Or it's, it's almost impossible to the first. Sometimes, uh, sometimes life feels like a simulation, you know. Oh, it really does to me. Like, m look at my life; it's crazier than any Hollywood movie. Yeah. <laughs> well, it has everything in it. <laughs> you know, I got you know, I'm part of it with like fate of where you're born, like. Uh, I'm, my occupation and my attitude and you know definitely you know, because i also like living in like this idealistic wealthy enclave um my uncle my mother's brother was like the it was described as the solicitor general which is like the attorney general so it's uh, like the lead the lead law and prosecutor do you, do you have solicitor generals in the, the states yeah we have uh, attorney generals like, yeah yeah, okay, so the Solicitor General of Canada described my uncle as the most evil man he's ever met. He arrested him, like, because he was, a, he was like Walter White in the 70s, <laughs> in the early 70s. And my mother and his mother thought he was this wonderful pharmacist, and he was making medicine that he was selling to American doctors who owned a hospital in Buffalo, is what his story was. And he'd take me with all the time to meet these guys, and he'd show me the lab and stuff. So I, I sort of I think in a way I was being groomed to take over the family business because I was sort of a favorite and the, uh, I don't know, thought, I don't, the most social. Because my brother who killed himself was probably the smartest of the four of us. But he lacked, uh, he didn't have, high, uh, he wasn't really high on the EQ part of things. Mm -hmm. I think emotional intelligence was. Uh, it might have been average or something, but. But you rarely see people with high emotional and high intellectual intelligence. Usually, yeah. if you're intellectual, you lose that. Um, well, except if you look someone like Einstein, he can joke around. Eric uh, Weinstein can. Like, he certainly has the ability to communicate. But a lot of these guys, like, well, you know, are just like robots. They can do the, you know, the math. They can do the, go through the function. But, and, and they're even creative, but they have no human skills. Yeah, I think uh I think out of out of both I have the I have emotional intelligence, you know, like my uh 
IQ isn't very, I don't think that my, I don't think I'm the brightest guy in the room, you know. Um, I think well, it's I important to have those people. Yeah, but, but you I think one reason is if you're intellectually gifted, they don't want you to develop the other part. They don't bother you. You're sort of ostracized in a way, like you're the nerd at school. Yeah. Where it's funny because I was sort of like the class clown, which smart people rarely are. Like I was, like I was, I, I was a combination of te- like, especially in my primary school, I was like the absolute teacher's pet. If I had a female teacher, they just loved and adored me because I was little and cute and smiling and funny with a big grin on my face and always being positive. Right. Yeah. But I was also like always getting in trouble. <laughs> Humor and was my way to amuse myself in class was to amuse the other kids. I know you said you uh, thought about doing stand-up. Is there anything? Uh, I know, like you said, you like to like to get in there, up there, and basically improv the whole thing off your brain. Is there? Have you been doing like any writing? Um, I actually, I've never. I yeah. Well, on TikTok, I'll sometimes come up with a joke and say it. That's my writing. It's on TikTok, so I write verbally. Like I, I write in a state of flow, so I don't stop and do it. Uh-huh. And I don't like writing because I can't. My brain. It's too fast for um, writing, so I'll stop and second guess myself. Whereas if I'm talking, I just go on um, forever almost. Yeah, I feel like uh, I feel like a lot of artists are like that. and stuff, but I, I never repeat the same dance. Now I'm trying to pay attention to what I do and repeat it a little bit. Uh, so I can do, it. and it's really, I mean, my health from um, dancing giving up sugar and hallucinogens is like uh, all aspects of my health, mental health, physical health, emotional health has uh, repaired and grown immensely. And like, like I was even, I mean, I, my hair was like really thinning and just from being, eating healthy. And I think DMT also has something to do with hallucinogens because I always said to people that, when, when they, that I believe that, I mean, I think it was common science for maybe 10 years now that it causes a neuronal growth throughout your body. But because I think your body is just a receiving system, like everything is brain, everything is thought. And so I thought it would help other parts of your body too. And I was positive that it did. And now there's a study, one study, so who knows, out of England showing that uh, psilocybin actually causes physical, physical repairs to your body. So it's not uh, it's not it's not neurological at that point. It's also being uh, throughout your whole body. Yeah, that, that like um, I, I, I'd have to I skimmed through the head notes of the study so I didn't read the whole thing. But it was yeah, that it actually like uh, muscular damage and things like that can be repaired through suicide. Um, oh wow! Yeah, that if you're doing physical therapy, your body will heal quicker. And it makes sense because uh, – and so I also think it would help in other ways on top of that. I think it, it can repair everything. I think it can reverse someday a degree of slow aging. There definitely is a, a thing as too much, right? Do you think that uh, – do you think that this is something that needs to be governed or it definitely it's something that needs to be educated, right? Because if it's not educated, it's going to be yeah, taken like, advantage of. Yeah, like I, I don't, it's because 
did you see my live last night with Destiny? When I she, she wrote me a message, me I messaged her back, and at one point she's a native, or she's a native, a Canadian native, her family. So I said, hey, you know, um, I, I sent it a text because it was quite text. I said, you know what, I'm really interested in starting like a therapeutic community where like on a native reserve, just to, because in Canada right now, in BC, uh, DMT is openly sold. Mm-hmm. You can get um, DMT anywhere in Canada through the mail. And it's like high quality, pure tested product, you know, but it's, you can make it yourself in your own kitchen. It's that easy to manufacture. So it will never have any value to any pharmaceutical industry. So now there is a problem. So where do you make money on it when it's in everything? Like the, the plants that you to make it from are like 15 to 20% DMT. So you get large amounts from, but, you know, but it's in every single thing you own, everything you eat. Yeah, the simplicity of it is, uh, it, it, it's what makes it not marketable, you know, um, the simplicity of it and also the fact that it does help a lot of people out. Um, is oh, there- yeah. I mean, you could look online and there's dozens and dozens and dozens of research reports that are like peer-reviewed science from like respectable you know, Harvard Medical and everywhere. You name a medical place that hasn't done one. And they all say the same thing that, uh, like, that, uh, like people have been, like, there's uh, people who've been addicts to heroin, coke, methamphetamine for decades and one experience and they stop without withdrawal because it, like, on a biological level or a neurological level, it resets the brain. It's sort of like if your brain was a computer, you know, sometimes you have to turn your computer on and turn it off, get rid of the junk. Mm-hmm. That's literally what it does. So it doesn't affect their memory. It only affects the, the, the flaws uh, in your operating system. Like the repeat, the repeat patterns that are burnt into your brain. So like smoke, cigarettes. That's gone. One trip. And they're not using it. But why would they? The cigarette industry is too valuable for the, the Americans. You've got people with billions of them. Yeah, both both in sales and in health, right? Because that's just like the cigarette company is yeah, just... And, and, you know, if, yeah, and the government will always say, oh, no, we lose on it. We lose on the tax. We lose on the health costs. The government doesn't even lose on the health costs because the most expensive year your health is, is, is... Well, first of all, you don't have government health in the state for the most part until you're a senior. Yeah. So they don't want seniors to die. They want you to die before you're a senior. They have to pay for it. But in Canada, they say, oh, we lose money. We lose money. We don't like that. But if you look at it, they'll say, oh, someone gets can- lung cancer, costs them a million dollars the last year of their life to tr- be treated, and then the government pays for that. But if you look at anyone else in Canada, I'm picking a million as a random number. It might be 100,000, maybe 50,000. I-, I have no idea what the number is. But the last year of your life is the most expensive in healthcare costs because you're usually hospitalized for a couple of months. You're you- you under doctor visits. No matter what it is, it's cancer old age, Alzheimer's, the last year is really expensive last year. So if someone dies at 40, even though you pay that $50,000 now, you don't have to pay, you don't have to pay $1,000 or $2,000 a year for the next 25 or 30 years. So they save there. They've got all the money from taxes and the last year they're going to pay a huge amount anyways. So they just prepaid it to save all the other money. So when dollars are spent, tobacco makes the government money. <laughs> Bullshit with the health. You know, they're lying when they say. Oh no, they don't like the cost of so much healthcare. They're not a, 
the government is more addicted to the money from tobacco than people are to, to, to smoking. Damn, I never thought about and that. They are. Yeah. Well, because they, they always say, no, no, the government hates it. We don't make profit on taxes. We, we tax to reduce people smoking. Yeah. I mean, it's the same way with fast food, you know, like, uh, like people get to get on, like to get on and, uh, get on the internet and be like, yeah, the fast food industry is so bad, but also like real foods marked up to like crazy prices. You go to the store and you look at these prices and, uh, a lot of people would rather go get a Big Mac, you know? Yeah, like I, I'm, I was eating really, really healthy for a few years. Now I have, a, I'm on a budget. I just can't afford it because, you know, I, I would spend over five, like probably for two, like for when four people were in our house or and a nanny, five people, probably two grand a week on food at least. No, maybe less. No, no over a thousand dollars a week to eat. You know. You know, how can you afford that unless you're doing really well? Like one person, I can probably afford it on a couple. On, you know, now that's doubled. Like, you know, but the difference in what your body, like people were saying, fat, fat, fat is fat, fat, fat is fat. But that's how fine by the sugar industry. <laughs> it's not even sugar; now, it's a chemical. Like I can't. Like if I came up with tobacco, for example, now and said I'm going to sell these cigarettes and try to get the market, they say, okay, they, they're addictive. They cause cancer, lung disease, emphysema, you know, heart disease. Are you kidding? You'll never sell it. But, but why can you sell it? Yeah, and the the like one thing I would yeah they make those things pretty addictive as well. You know, they I don't know what it is. Well, Sugar and cigarettes is yeah. so addictive. Well, sugar is supposed to be the most addictive thing in the world. The dopamine release—it's instantaneous almost. Yeah, and that's why they micro-process stuff so it's so fine that even like if you buy regular white, they're at bread. It doesn't matter white or brown or whole wheat. It's all bullshit. If you buy just a cheap regular loaf of bread for three dollars or four dollars or whatever it is, five dollars in a grocery store, they've ground, they've micro-processed the wheat and the chemicals in it so that it's no different in terms of your biological response and your insulin levels. Than if you ate it in a spoonful of sugar, because it, it actually converts my enzymes in your mouth as you're chewing it into sugar yeah. by the time you swallow, yeah. swallowing sugar, pure sugar. But it, you know, but you look at Coca-Cola, it's like it's doubling the amount of sugar, doubling the size of the container, and adding caffeine to make it more bitter. So it's, it's more addictive. Because of a higher amount of sugar, you get tired quicker, so you need more. It's like it's marketed to be an addictive product, just like they found out with cigarettes when all the lawsuits, even though I don't think anybody ever paid, that they were doing things to make nicotine hit your system quicker, make it more addictive. And now everybody's smoking the vapes, which are a lot less harmful, but I can't see them being good. Yeah, it's just something. It's just something we'll have to see in the long run. Um... I think as humans, we, we have, we have the free will to kind of choose, especially here in the United States, you know, we kind of have, we kind of get the free will to choose what we put on in our body. Um, sometimes we don't because, like, you know, because you, you, you know, you go into, for example, Starbucks, one thing, 
they started off like a sort of a, a very green industry, a company, right? They really cared about the environment. They really cared about their products. They really cared about their workers, especially the, the workers. Now, you know, they had the fair trade, fair trade coffee. They're, they don't belong to fair trade coffee. They belong to Starbucks fair trade coffee. They join, they drop the organization that goes and checks are the people working on those plantations being paid? Are they living in the humane conditions? Are they this? And they're the biggest coffee purchaser in the world, mm-hmm. and they're buying like slave coffee, slave plantation coffee. And their ingredients, if you look on the ingredients, there's 15 ingredients in their, in their bagels and their sandwiches. Like they're super processed garbage now, sold as healthy stuff, and their drinks are like super sugary. Like, yeah, I think a uh, frappuccino is more sugar than you should have in a day in one frappuccino. Yeah. You know, and kids are pouring them down and, uh, and they're marketing to children to get them addicted to the office. Yeah, I don't know. I don't and know. And one of the drivers was rude to me and said, not, "Could I not come to it because it was because all the kids were going crazy?" <laughs> so I, I started a boycott. So. <laughs> is uh is Toronto right now? I know you mentioned you were in a couple uh, art pieces like with uh, film. Is it super uh, artistic right now to be in Toronto? Is that like a super artistic? Uh... It, it, yeah, Toronto and Vancouver are sort of the artist. Capital uh, would be like Vancouver, uh, LA, and New York. Uh-huh. Toronto's like a mini New York, and Vancouver's like a mini LA. Much more laid back, West Coast style, and Toronto's more aggressive business style. Very big in arts and entertainment. And Toronto also, in similar to New York, Toronto's extraordinarily diverse. It's the most second most diverse city in the world. Like, there's not. I think there's like hundreds. Pretty cool. I love that. That's one of the things I love about Toronto is the amount of uh, various cultures that live here. And and, uh, and Toronto until like when I was growing up, it was called Toronto the Good because like everybody got along. Like I think we became more and more well, not Americanized, modernized. Yeah. So, How do we you... have like American style places, but not not like they're shooting a time like the America got. People want to come on, so they shoot them left. And, and um, they're really highly paid, I think. Like a cop in Toronto makes 100 grand. Pretty good money, I think, for what's being an your, ignorant buffoon. <laughs> what's your. Uh, With respect, to all the No, yeah, yeah. What's your, uh, what's your opinion on uh, Jordan Peterson? I know he reigns from Canada and he's a. Oh, he repulses me. He's a, I think he's such a doofus. You know, I, I didn't know he, who he was at all. And when he was just coming up, uh, I was living with someone who was actually trying to trap me at undercover cop. Who, that's a whole that's a whole story in its own. But, um, I was in the chemical business. And they were trying to get me for years, but they did not understand that I was selling legal chemicals. They just couldn't understand that. So, um, but she she said, "What do you think of this guy?" I said. I said, he's an alcoholic. I said, he's, a, he's an alcoholic or an addict of some sort. I said, why do you say that? Just the way he's lying. Everything he says a lie. He's contradicting himself. His whole buffoon, like his whole image is so structured and stuff. Then a few years later, someone comes out, he was an addict, but he blamed the doctors. That's taken him off. The doctors made him. So he went to Russia and get treatment. Um, 
but still, like, you know what I mean? Like, uh, he's just a, you know, he's a hateful, misogynist liar. Like, you know, he's talking about um, how he stood down at a hell's, that he lives and there's a hell's angel in his building below him, and the guy asked him for money. So he got in an argument, he told this guy off to the, and he said, this and this, and, you know, and, and I, you know, you're talking to any drunk big guy, the way he was saying it happened, and I've grown, grown up around people like that, I've worked with people like that, both as a lawyer, chemical dealer, and he's just such a liar, and so because I'm a little bit streetwise, and then I had life experience, 90% of his stuff is lies, let alone his philosophy that women are guarded, uh, and that other people's sexuality affect everyone, you know, like, he's, a, he's extremely insecure, and he has this lilt when he talks, he talks like this. And it's just so annoying the way his voice annoys me. First thing I talked about why is he talking like that? He's trying to put on a British accent half the time. You know, come on. <laughs> People talk in Canada thought he was British because he put on the fake accent. <laughs> you have to put on a fake like I also talking some big talk, right? But I'm not doing it pretending I'm really well, yeah, I'll take it. Some of the people I'm talking to are saying British. But I'm not doing that as a speaker and not pretending I'm British. But he's not pretending he's British. He's just trying to sell like a pompous idiot. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, I, I see him as like a, a, a Trump with a high IQ. Yeah, I don't. Like, not a moron, which makes it worse. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it makes it dangerous, you know? It makes it dangerous because um, I don't necessarily think that Jordan Peterson is a bad man. I think that he's a dangerous person. Um I think it's dangerous because he's scared and foolish and bitter and angry and has a platform. Like, like, tr- like what the guy, Tate. Like, oh my God, the guy is literally preaching uh, to abusive to women. And he has all these followers and then he laughs at his followers who he's like milking. And they still, oh, it's a, a fake thing. Oh, even though when he's asked about it, he said, I was just joking around. I do have a lot of incels, but I don't, I, I'm helping to not be incels, right? By not being incels, by treating women like garbage, that, that'll work well for you. <laughs> yeah. I, uh, and then he also posts, like, you women with money. Yeah. I don't, uh, I don't, like I was saying, I don't think Jordan Peterson is a bad man. There's been some instances where I have, uh, definitely. And I don't necessarily agree with the, I don't necessarily agree with everybody. You know, I love people like Joe Rogan. I've listened to people from both sides of the aisle, people like Ben Shapiro, yeah. Joe Rogan, you know, this, this guy that came out recently, Andrew Tate. Um, and I don't necessarily agree with everything that they say, but there are little bits and pieces of information that oh, maybe, yeah. maybe if you take in, you're like, man, like Jordan, that makes it more dangerous because it takes little bits of truth and put it and intersperses it with all lies. Get a sort of get a by the truth to, to a lot of people. But he's incredible. Really, really. Like it can be smart and evil, obviously, because you know he like what's got arrested. Like he played it so well. Because in April or something, the investigation began because his brother's friend reported him because his, 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 his brother, what's the brother's name? The other Tate. I can't remember his name. Uh, Tristan but Tate. We have to raise the case. Yeah. He said, look, my girlfriend just turned 16. <laughs> but 
he thought uh, he didn't realize that the Romaine is, had changed the law from the age majority from 15 to 16 a year before. And this guy, the guy in the States, he didn't even know because he came to a party there and he, he left in disgust and uh, reported to the authorities. And that's when the investigation began. That's when they came and interviewed him. As soon as he did, they started saying, the Matrix is coming to get me. The Matrix is, I'm going to be arrested. Because he knew he was investigating. He knew he was going to be arrested. So he played that so cool. So uh, he played it really smartly. And, he, and, it, and you know, it, it swayed a lot of people, right? Predicted his own arrest. He predicted his downfall. And then they had, yeah. And the stage lost, and they have like girls doing fake statements that were prepared long before. So he's, in terms of marketing and advertising, uh, he, he could have been a great media person for something good and made just as much money as he made being an evil bitch. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah. I don't, uh, I don't know what. I don't know what the right way to live is, you know. I think I think as a human I'm being called more and more into the you know not the materialistic lifestyle, the the simple lifestyle, trying to live an honest life, you know. That that's probably the best way to live, I think. Um we don't I don't necessarily know who is out there in the media trying to fool the public, you know, but I think that just just trying to be an honest person is probably one of the most uh, unique things somebody can do in uh, today's uh, world. It really does it. You know, it, when you're honest, it's depressing. Like the reason I'm so chill is because nobody can catch you. Like I'm saying, oh, you cheated on this woman. Yeah, I did. Four years or 20 years or 10. It's what? I'm not saying no, I didn't. You know, but if I won't hide and have secrets, thank much. Energy it takes to like keep lies in your head. All cheap. I just don't care what people think about me. I because I believe in my myself. I believe my own decent thing. But I don't think I'm perfect or, or anything else. Even close to it. I'm perfectly pretty fucking boring. But I'm perfect with me. Yeah. And I, I'm perfectly content with being me. Yeah, there's a lot of people that aren't happy, you know, they're not, uh, they're either depressed or their anxiety levels are through this roof. And I think that's just kind of, it, it took me a little bit to find out, you know, and sometimes the brain's a powerful uh, tool, you know, like it's uh, it's powerful. We can definitely make comparisons and uh, what what's the quote that says, comparison is a thief of joy. Um that's kind of what, uh, what we do, you know, like we get on social media and we see how other people are living and we try to mimic that and we try to become that. Like we get, we get lost in what we think, uh, or, or how we yeah, think, think we should reason, live. I, and I think the reason I was a success or am a success on, on social media is because I don't try to fit in. I don't copy trends. I don't even try to create trends. I just am. I just exist in my truth and it creates, I, my, if there's a trend I'm creating, it's one of honesty. When I hope to create one of honesty and, and love and support, like, uh, and, and be yourself. Like, uh, like, uh, it's bizarre how the world is changing. But I think the real change is going to be in the next uh, 12 months. I, I think like, 
within 12 months, we won't, whatever is here from 12 months from now, we will barely recognize it will change. So um, transformation will be so, so extreme. What do you think is coming first? Like what's, what's, uh, what's coming? I think, I think AI uh, will allow everything to um, grow magnitudinally. Like, you know, like human knowledge, computer stuff, they say doubles every 18 months or, or computer power, processing power and stuff like that. It will be like by the thousands, like it'll be a thousand times in months once AI fully takes over and AI is taking over fully. Because it, it, the genie's out of the bottle. It's in the wild that exists. So even if now in the States they're talking about and Europe, like, well, let's, let's limit it, let's control it. It doesn't matter. If, if, even if you, they control it, there. You know, hackers will have it. Yeah. You know, the, the Chinese will have it. The Russians will have it. The Israelis will have it. The Saudis will have it. You know, the French, like, oh, Europe's out of it. Everybody else have it. So uh, it, it doesn't matter. Yeah, I don't know where I read you know, it, but uh, it, go ahead. And and what it's going to do is just, you know, because people think you can program it, but you can't. It's self-learning, and it's already at the point of self-learning. There, there was one of them learned the language on them without having any instructions, so it just goes over the internet and just pours through stuff at such an incredible rate. I heard one uh, podcaster or someone on the podcast saying that I think in 24 hours, I forget, 15, 150 billion books or something on earth or something like that, or whatever number was, and it could go through them all in, in like less than a day, I forget, an hour a day, and also correlate them all. And like it's just powerful and so quick. Yeah, AI it is... Uh, it It's definitely menacing. Um, I know that it, there was a uh, a picture that surfaced online of the Pentagon exploding, uh, and I think it like tanked the stock market for a little bit. And just something oh, yeah, yeah, so yeah. simple, yeah. you know, something so simple like a picture would do that uh, is definitely a dangerous. Now I can't even imagine video. You know, what would a video do? Yeah, but the stock market is a Ponzi scheme. It's the biggest Ponzi scheme in the world. And it's going to collapse completely at one point. Oh yeah, I don't. I don't know yeah, exactly how the what we will base our money on. A lot of people like to think it's crypto. I personally don't know. Is there something that you think is gonna? Are we gonna go back to bartering? It's not crypto. I think it's gonna. Be, well, because, no, money is gonna have very little value. Because remember, what's expensive? Gold, silver, computers, cars. Why are they expensive? The manpower to get the materials and the, you know, the, the mining, if it's gold, uh, the cars to put them together, all the, the, the uh, you know, the, the, the processing and all that. That will all be done by um, AI. So there'll be no manpower, no expense of it. You can send computers where you, or, or robots where you can't send humans. So everything will be free labor. Right? There'll be solar power probably, so, or, or some way that energy is very inexpensive. Even if they're, they're not very. But what happens when nothing material has any value anymore? Everybody can have everything. Yeah. What do people do then? 
most people will lose their meaning because the whole worth is their value. The whole worth is they have a, a big car, a fancy car, a big house. They, they say that there's still going to be enough for more than everyone. And in terms of food, it will be uh, probably lab growing meats and stuff, which will be a tragedy. Cows, they'll execute all the cows. There'll be no more cows because cows serve one purpose. Like there's domesticated animals that are food sources. So. It's definitely uh, it's de- it's definitely scary to think about. I don't, man. It's scary being, it's scary being a twenty five year old and thinking about these things. You know, in tw- in like ten yeah, years, like, I, I don't. Year old, I'm excited. I'm I'm really excited by it. The potential of it. You're excited. Yeah, but how? how okay, how could it become malevolent? Uh, I don't know. I mean. I mean, it will look at things totally objectively, and, and that's the danger because it has no compassion. So look at a person and say, that person is not thinking. They're only taking, they're, they're a leech on the planet because that's how they describe um, humans. Some of the AI said humans, some humans, we will eliminate 90% because they're leeches. They don't contribute. They take more than a gift. But what do they consider giving? Yeah. Because we'll serve no purpose for them. They'll be self-repairing, self-taught, self-functioning. Is this going, do you yeah, think that this would eliminate, uh, maybe not the a lot of working class, but do you think it's going to eliminate jobs? Eliminate all jobs. Why would you go, okay, for example, right now, they have AI radiologists, right? A radiologist look at a slide to see if it's cancer or not, compare it a biopsy, we'll look at 200 slides maybe and try to figure out which one it is. AI has been going over those and has been using it. AI, so a, a top radio has an 80 or 90% accuracy rate. They have a 99.99% accuracy rate. Like 99.99999. One in, in 10,000 things are wrong. Whereas radiologists are some cancers is up to 50, 60%. There's no, there's no errors anymore. And car accidents, 90%, I think, they're almost, the vast majority of human error. There's no more errors. And the stuff we're seeing now is like, you know, look at a cell phone five years ago, or 10 years ago. Yeah. Isn't the iPhone only about 10 years old? Yeah. And, and look at how it's transformed. And in, I, was, uh, I can't remember when, but I was alive. Bill, uh, Bill Gates, no, no, it was uh, the Apple guy, Steve Jobs. At a, a, you know, they have the conferences every year. At one conference, he said, when one of his uh, Apple thing, he said, by the year 2000, there'll be a computer in every home. And this is like in the 80s, maybe 1990, he said it, or late 80s. The entire audience broke out in laughter because that was so absurd. Yeah. Because all computers glorified uh, spreadsheets and uh, typewriters back then with memories. They couldn't do much on them. And they were like four or $5,000 and they were black and white. Like the green, oh, you never saw that when you were 25. <laughs> they were like this green color that was awful. Like it would hurt your eyes to use them. And it was just two tones. Yeah, we definitely came a long yeah, ways in technology. Um, 
I I I'm hopeful. I'm optimistic, but it's also I see the the way things are handled when it comes to corporate companies. You know, I think. But corporations won't be able to control AI. You don't think so? I mean, to some degree they will, but um, and it, because it, everybody will have access. Look at ChatGPT; everybody has access to it. Yeah. And that's the end. So when it grows up, it'll still be the same. Or, or maybe, maybe they cap. Maybe they just give us the 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 watered down AI. You know, maybe they keep the best tools and technology for them. They can only do that for a while, right? Like you can get the best computer. Like, okay, you can get a better computer today. Like your iPhone that you're talking at is like probably a hundred times more powerful than the the one that landed man on the moon that needed. I think acres of air conditioners to keep it cool from, you know, from burning up to keep the temperature down because it was transistors that need lots of heat and tubes, right? And that's hundreds and hundreds of people operating it. And, and you know, and in the palm of your hand, you have something that's beyond that they couldn't even conceive of existing back then. Yeah. And quantum computing is coming, which is like insane. Right. Like I think it's I forget who is it, IBM or or Xerox. Someone has the first functioning quantum computer that that works on like electrons on and off instead of you know. So I don't quite understand how it works even. Do you think the that uh, as soon as you it, it changes? Do you think that uh, uh, time travel would be possible in the future? Um. Well, it's possible now if you can go fast enough and go to the, the moon and back, even or go somewhere for see the light. In fact, even when the astronauts came back from the moon, they were going fast enough that they had traveled time like maybe five seconds or a fifth of a second, but a measurable amount. So everybody had aged more on Earth than they had. Yeah. Right? So it is possible, but it's, but that's traveling, that's traveling forward or backwards. It's not really tra- you're slowing down your speed so the world travel ages faster than you do. And you come back. Yeah, you can't really time travel, I don't think. I, think, I, I find it hard to believe you can get time travel. I, I know theoretically it's possible and stuff like that, or the theories of how it could be done. Yeah, I don't necessarily well, think. I don't necessarily think it'll be time travel. I think it'll be space travel. And like you said, we can probably shoot out to Mars and maybe time will run differently there, you know, because it's so far away. Yeah, but, but if, if we have the technology to go at the speed of light and time stops altogether. Yeah. So, but we've now found that now because of that, uh, telescope, we've now found out that things can, I forget it, travel faster than speed of light. So if you're traveling faster than speed of light, you're like, you go back in time. And now they're saying you can. Like, can we physically? No, because we'd burn up even at close to speed. There's nothing that can take that sort of speed, even if we had the technology. But, you know, with wormholes and stuff like that, 
I don't know. It, it, it's bizarre because if you can, then you can stop time travel by going back and ending it. <laughs> yeah. Going to yeah. Develop it. And then what happens? Like you, you just, and stuff like that because those things defy physical existence, which means that we are living in some sort of matrix. That all of which we believe, whether it's created by the universe or the God force or whatever, or the computer, somehow, um, I think some of these, when these physical laws fall apart, like, um, what happens? Like, I, I, what explains it? If we're, if we're in the reality, what, what would, I think everyone, I'm sure you can the other guy talk about the TED Talks or any of them, about how we're living in a virtual hallucination and that 90% of what goes on, we don't see because there's too much information coming at us or data or mind some way or don't have the ability to perceive it. Yeah, it's, uh, <clears throat> it's definitely scary, man. So physicists are now saying that possibility that our, um, we manifest reality through a universal consciousness that we're all part of, which is pretty crazy stuff. But they're like, physicists are now saying that possible. Because uh, have you seen things where they shoot the elect one electron through, and it spreads? Yeah. And actually, wait, it goes left, right, left, right. Yeah, yeah. But if some of them so how is the observer affecting that? I mean, everything's perception, though, right? Um, how we perceive things and how we, uh. I don't, I don't, I don't know because there's obvious, there can be uh, illusions in, in time. Uh, and even the things that we see with our eyes, if we're not, I don't know if, uh, if particles and, and the things that surround us, if they have their own processing power, you know, sometimes, like I was saying earlier, sometimes it does feel like a matrix and sometimes it feels like the, the, the reality that we're in is artificial, you know? Well, I mean, I mean, the fact that I really, really believe you can manifest anything, and I don't know if manifestation is a spiritual thing or a scientific, like a physical, like experience. But you know, for example, I I decided uh, to create this movie, and I and I sort of manifested it by putting my shit on me. In, on TikTok, and then people were drawn to me into my life that are making these happen. Things happen. And uh, some of the women I've met, almost as though I manifested them. Someone like I thought, oh, this set would be interesting. And then I, I, I'm thinking that, and then they come into my life. Yeah. You know? Yeah, I also believe in uh, manifestation. Um, it's definitely. Uh, definitely powerful i don't i don't know exactly what it is you know uh but i know that it's there uh is there anything that you well, want to looking at it go ahead one way of looking at manifestation is what do dogs hang out with dogs hang out with dogs cats hang out with cats birds hang out with birds so if you manifest positivity by putting out positivity you'll draw positivity into yourself yeah just the same way animals, like the same way anything, a tree, you know, birds of a feather flock together, sort of, but, but you draw it in in a certain way. And I'm becoming more and more aware of it because I think as you go through life, you're sort of moving at a speed. And I was always in a hurry. I always, like, always wanted to get into the next adventure. 
like which is why I went to school. I went to skip grades and you know, so I always want to do the next thing. Whatever I'm doing, okay. And now I've got to the point where I sort of look at that retrospectively and say, wow, like it's almost like a story that I wrote out at the very beginning. Yeah, and everyone is uh, everyone's basically kind of writing their own story. You know, I think I think what you have going on is unique. Um, I, I think mean, that's why a lot of yeah, I think a lot of people are drawn to you. You know, because you are a unique individual on uh, on TikTok, and uh, we don't see that often. We don't see uh, yeah, like other people see what my age are shoving pieces into their face or or filling blue dye on their clothes or, you know, eating pens or like just stupid shit for no purpose. <laughs> yeah. I guess, I guess some people find it amusing. And every now and then people will send me something, look at the old people trying to dance like you. <laughs> 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 you know. How do you, uh, how do you stay so young, man? Like how do you maintain the youth? No, it's getting loud. I'm going to go outside. It's getting loud in the Starbucks. I can't hear. <laughs> it's filling up. How do I hear the last word? How do I? How do you maintain uh, your youth? Like, how do you stay young? Um, trying to avoid all sugar, which I've done um, pretty successfully for a couple years. Um, the dancing is like remarkable cardio to the point... Um, that like my, when I'm walking on the street, I have an Apple Watch, uh, that my heart rate, if I'm walking quickly for an hour, it'll get up to maybe 60 or 70. If I'm sitting down, it's like 50. If I'm sleeping, when I sleep, it goes down to 40. From my, you know, from my Apple Watch, which is like, really like, um, and during COVID, I, <laughs> I went for a doctor's appointment, probably because I'm bored. And the doctor said, oh, your heart, you might be in heart failure. Your heart's so low. It's only 50. Only 50 is good. And so he sent me to a cardiologist. And the, it was during COVID. So the woman was working alone. And she had to like, put on the tabs and stuff. No, was, and after she said, like, what are you doing here? I said, I said I, I, you're a cardiologist. She said, like, but why did he send you here? Like, it makes no sense. Uh, she said, like, she worked on, uh, did a residency at a hospital downtown Toronto. So the U of T athletes have to come once a year for a card. Because your heart is literally like a, a someone in their 20s, or like a, someone young in their 20s, yeah. an athlete. Like One thing for sure, you're not going to die from a heart attack. And I smiled at the walk out. She says, actually, no, that's not true. Sometimes perfectly healthy people drop dead. <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> she said it like as a joke, I think. <laughs> well, it's true. People do just randomly die. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh... I think we're going to wrap this up soon, Stuart. I don't want to take too much of your time. I appreciate you coming out. Is there something that you want to say to the audience, the people listening, um, you know, that you, that something that you live by, you know, something uh, positive and thoughtful? That I really think that all the knowledge that you need is within yourself and you can find it. And people should start looking inside for answers, not outside. And they'll find them, you know. And if I could come back, like for the, I think I could have come back this time for the third time at sixty. Like all the people listening to this have so much potential to be their true self and contribute to the planet and contribute to society 
and be extremely happy doing that. Yeah. And manifest everything they want through pure positivity. You know. And and respecting them like if you respect yourself fully, you'll respect everyone else fully. And it, it's all self knowledge and self respect and that manifests um, everything. Yeah, thank uh thank you, Stuart. That's uh that's beautiful and thoughtful, man. I I appreciate you, dude, and keep doing what you're doing. Well, I appreciate on, uh, Help me spread whatever my message is, which is just one of, of being yourself and being positive. When, when is this going to be on, or at what it'll, platform? It'll be on uh, tonight, actually. As soon as this, as soon as this conversation is over, I'm probably going to go get a bite to eat, come back, and uh, start editing this. But it'll be out today for sure. Okay, okay. and I'll I'll put the link up on my uh, TikTok, and I'm sure a lot of people will watch it because people keep asking. That's why I was asking. Yeah, yeah. I, I know I've been I've in your. Uh, I've never listened to them because I, I've had the conversations a while. <laughs> I was <beating. laughs> Yeah, I've been on your lives and being like, "Hey, man, like I can't wait to can't wait to get you on," and you know, making sure you. Yeah, yeah. But you're you're a thoughtful person and insightful, and you always uh, answered on time. And uh, I appreciate what, you, what man. You give, like, yeah, at what you give, you get. Like so, a lot of people don't understand my kindness in a way. It's not selfish, but it doesn't cost me anything. It gives me so much. Oh, absolutely. Right? Yeah, I agree. All right. Well, uh, <laughs> okay, great talking to you, and I hope to talk to you again sometime. Absolutely, Thank man. You. I'll, I'll stay in touch. I'll tag you and everything. I'll send everything your way, and uh, I'll give you a, a text when everything's up. Uh, thank you, Stuart, for coming okay. out, and okay. uh, have Pleasure a blast. meeting you. Absolutely. Okay. Thank you. Have a great day, bud. You too. Bye. Yes, sir. So that was uh, that was beautiful, man. Stuart Rosenthal on uh, TikTok. Let me pull up his TikTok real quick, just so you guys can have his uh, his handle. Jesus. Um, I mean, even if you look up uh, Stuart Rosenthal on TikTok, you'll find him. Uh, but it's at New Clown Order One, uh, number one. And uh, this guy, man, I've been following him for a really long time, and I appreciate everything that he's put out, you know. I think it's really funny, man. You don't see a lot of people in their 60s, you know, um, doing stuff like this, and he's just a beacon of hope because I don't know if I'll make it to 60 years old. I hope I do. I hope I make it to 60, but I definitely want to live a life of uh, happiness and prosperity. Uh, Again, thank you, Stuart Rosenthal, for coming out. Uh, to the podcast, calling in, actually not coming out, but thank you for uh, for listening, everybody. Share this podcast. Uh, that way I can get some more guests on, and uh, if you're having a bad day, try to have a good day. Put a smile on your face, and uh, yeah, just have a gr- really good fucking day, you know? Thank you.